Okay, we're beginning here at the bottom of Samachomid Bet with the statement in the Mishnah which says, So a person can't go out with one shoe on his foot in an instance where he doesn't have an injury on the foot. We said before in the Mishnah that Yushalmi says that the focus here is the chashash that he might be carrying the other shoe. As the Bavli seems to be more focused on the fact that people are going to make fun of him. And in making fun of him, he's going to remove the shoe or the one shoe that he has on. Obviously the diuk at the top of Samachalaf is, nafik. If he does have an injury on his foot, he is allowed to go out with one shoe on. Behind me nafik. Which foot has the shoe on it? One leg or one foot has the injury, the other one does not. On which does he wear the shoe? Amr Avhuna says that the shoe is is protective. Therefore, he's going to wear it on the foot that has the injury. Alma, the purpose of the shoe, the sandal, is to protect against injury, pain, something that is difficult for you to walk on. He would otherwise walk barefoot, he'd walk on the ground. Here, because of the injury, he needs the shoe to protect that foot. On the one that does not have the injury on it. The reason one wears a shoe is for the pleasure of having those shoes on. The feet feel better. But the one that has the injury on it, he can't put a shoe on because of the injury. It's making it difficult for him to walk on there. And the one that has the injury on it proves it. And Rabbi Yochanan also subscribes to the position of Ravuna, which is that you place the shoe. Pass me my shoes. Pass him his right shoe. Amalei asito makah. He says, now you've made my foot into a makah. The assumption being here that he would have placed on, in terms of the order of his shoes, that when you put on your shoes, you put on the left one first, and then the right shoe. So the fact that he had him his right shoe means that he already skipped the left shoe that should have been the first shoe, and now he's handing him his right shoe. So he says, asito makah. You made it as if I have an injury on my foot. He says, I'm going to go out now with one shoe on. But the way it's phrased now, the Gemara is assuming that means that he thinks that he's putting it on the foot that has the injury on it. He skipped the left foot, handed him his right shoe. Now he's only going to put on the right shoe, assuming that that's where the makah, where the injury is. Mar says, wait a minute, vidilma kichia barav svirle. Maybe he holds asit shel small makah. Now you made my left one into an injury now. In the fact that you handed me my right shoe, I should have put the left one on first, but you didn't hand me that because there's an injury on my left side. So now you handed me my right shoe to put on the foot that doesn't have the injury. So it's very difficult to make a deal from his statement about which foot was injured. But as the Rabbi Yochanan Rabbi Yochanan is based on his own position other places, which is, Like tefillin is how you put your shoes on. Ma tefillin bismol. Just like you put on your tefillin on your left arm. So too by shoes, you put shoes on your left foot first, and then your right foot. Is that really true? We have a brighter that says, When he puts on his shoes, he puts on the right one first. And then he puts on the left one. I'm Rav Yosef. Now that we have the bright that says right first, I'm Rav Yochanan Hochi. And Rav Yochanan says put on the left first. The Ovid Hochi Ovid. Or the Ovid Hochi Ovid. You can do either one it sounds like. Now it's interesting here. Tosafot in explaining this. The Ovid Hochi Ovid Hochi. 
has an interesting approach to this. He says, Perish the Brighta Lopliga Rabbi Yochanan. That they don't argue on each other. It's just a question of what you focus on. Sometimes the right is more important. Sometimes the left is more important. If you're looking at tefillin, then the left is the more important arm, because that's the arm that the tefillin go on. If you're looking at things like boin yado, boin raglo, that goes to the right hand. So each one of them has a basis for saying that left should go first and right should go first. And then the suggestion, or what it looks like here, is you could do whatever you want. So Tosafot says, no, you cannot do whatever you want. But near the read, dachi perusho, david ochi ovid, mishirotzeh chabev shel small. If you want to choose to use the left all the time, fine. You want to choose to use the right all the time, Fine, you have support for both positions. But what we don't want you to do is switching back and forth. This has implications for another halacha where the Gemara has the same sak halacha. Tosfa doesn't mention it here, but the Gemara in Brachot says, regards to the machloka between Rabbi Yehuda and the Chachamim, where what time is Mincha end and Mariv begins. Rabbi Yehuda says, Plaga Mincha. Chachamim say Erev Shkia, or Tzaytako Chavim, depending on which of the poskim. But the Gemara has no conclusion to that. The Gemara says, since, since the Allah has not stated like the Chachamim or like Rabbi Yehuda, if you do like Rabbi Yehuda, you're fine. If you do like the Chachamim, you're fine. So you could read that one of two ways. You could read that every day you can do. Either like the Chachamim or Rabbi Yehuda. As long as in one day you're not inconsistent, as long as you're consistent to make Mincha before Plaga Mincha, and Marv after Plaga Mincha, you can do it that day. The next day, you can do Mincha after Plaga Mincha, before Shkia, and then you do Marv after Shkia, fine. You can switch back and forth between the Shita of Rabbi Yehuda and the Chachamim. Most of the Boskim believe that you have to maintain a steady position, that you can either always pass in like Rabbi Yehuda, or always pass in like the Chachamim. Tosafot seems, or the Re here seems to support that position. When the Gemara says here, the Ovid, Hachi Ovid, David Hachi Ovid, it's not saying do as you please, it's saying you can choose. There's equal basis for choosing each one of these halachic lines, and therefore you can make a choice about which one you pick. But once you've picked, you have to remain consistent in that line. So that's the important, maybe, corollary from this Tosafot, is about the Gemara by Rebudah and Rabbanon, is that you shouldn't be inconsistent. Now there, again, the Mishonim argues, some of Mishonim believe you have to pick once in your life, and that's it, you can't change it. Others believe that you have to be consistent over a period of time, If every once in a while it's fine. Others believe that you can switch every day. So there's a range of the Mishonim there. Tosafot here clearly believes that it's a choice that has long-ranging implications. Now the Gemara continues, I'm by Dilma, Rabbi Yochanan, Havmatznita lo Havishmiyale. Vayi says back to Rabbi Yosef, I don't understand why you think that Rabbi Yochanan must have known about this Brayta, and therefore you have equal options in picking Rabbi Yochanan Shita versus the Brayta Shita. Maybe Rabbi Yochanan never heard of the Brayta, which is possible. Again, Amoraim assumed to know all the Mishnayot, not necessarily all the Braytot. If you have a Shmiyale, have a Haderbeh. Had he heard the Brayta, maybe he would have reversed his position. Vina Mishmiyale, Kasavayin Allah Koto Mishnah. Or the other way around. He might have heard it and thought that the Allah is not like it. How do you know that Rabbi Yochanan is able to reconcile with this Brayta and say, do as you please? I'm Rav Nachman Yitzchak. person who has fear of heaven and wants to be Yotzei Kol Adeot will do this. Umanu Marbe Ravana. He will do like Marbe Ravana, which is Echiavit. Sayim Diamine Velokater. He put on his right shoe first, but did not tie it. Sayim Dismalei put on his left shoe, Vikatar. And then he tied it. Vahadar Diamine. And then he went back and he tied the right shoe. The idea being that when it comes to the choice between right and left, we're going to opt towards the right first. Over here, 
Tefillin is the guy that says that you should give precedence to the left side. Tefillin is about tying. It's ukshartem, tying it on your arm. So the tying that you do with the tefillin is on your left arm. So what you're going to do is you're going to put the right shoe on first, then the left shoe, tie the left shoe, because that gives precedence to the tefillin side of the tying, and then you'll tie the right shoe afterwards. Amravashi, Chazin al-Rav Gana to look up it. Rav Gana was not makbid on this at all. Tan Rabbanan, Rabbanan, Braito, Tosefta, Kishu Noel, Noel shal Yamin, Barachakach Noel shal Smol. Kishu Cholets, Cholets shal Smol, Barachakach Cholets shal Yamin. Here when we give precedence to the right, that means when you're putting them on, you put the right shoe first, left shoe afterwards. But when you are removing your shoes, you don't take off the right shoe first and the left shoe, but rather the opposite. You take off the left shoe and then leave, take off the right shoe, again giving precedence to the right shoe, leaving the shoe on the right side. When a person bathes themselves, when a person bathes themselves or wash their hands, they should wash their right hand first, and then wash their left hand. And when he anoints himself, puts oil on, puts on cream, he should put on the right side first, and then the left side. A person wants to bathe his whole body or put on lotion on his whole body. A person should do it with his head. Because that's the king of the body is the head. Also for hygienic purposes, it would be good to wash the head first and then the body afterwards so that everything washes downward. Aside from that, there's a reason in terms of halach or kedusha that you give precedence to the rosh. And the reason for all this is to give religious perspective to even the mundane activities. And that's really to show that God is involved in every aspect of our lives. Again, whether you have to or don't have to tie your shoes or do it this way, it's probably not relevant. The idea is that we should enter a religious perspective and view into our mundane activities so that we see God in everything that we do. Ah, very good. So what happens when you're a lefty? So that's a very good question. What do lefties do? Now the Gemara has an interesting approach with regards to lefties. The Gemara in general says that for a lefty, his left hand is kiyamin shalom. It's like his right hand. But that only relates to issues where you are reflecting something that the person himself does. On the other hand, if we're asking what a general principle, and we're saying, do I give precedence to the right or do I give precedence to the left? And I look at, in general, right supersedes left, that a lefty will be guided by that as well. So in this instance, the right that it says you put on your right shoe, then your left shoe, is not saying that's because righty versus lefty, that's just saying that in general, we look at the right and give right precedence over left. Irrespective of lefty-righty, it's just in general, right goes before left. On the other hand, in terms of tying the shoes, there it was clearly guided by the tefillin. Rabbi Yochanan's statement that tefillin guided. And therefore, a righty would tie his left shoe first because he had ties his tefillin on his left arm. A lefty would not do that because a lefty has tefillin on the right arm and he ties them on the right arm. Therefore, the Allah is brought down for a lefty. He will put on his right shoe first, then his left shoe. Tie his right shoe, tie his left shoe. So again, the placement of the shoes guided by the general public. What gets precedence? Right over left. Shoes go on for everybody. That's lefty and ready going the right foot first and then the left foot. On the other hand, when it comes to the tying of the shoes, the lefty will flip it. He will do the tying of the right shoe first, then the left shoe because he puts his filling on his right arm. And then the righty will do it the other way around, which is he'll tie his left shoe first and then his right shoe. It's possible for a lefty, he could put on his right shoe and tie his right shoe and then put on the left shoe and tie the left shoe as well. It would have the same effect. I think just the low plug is that we put on the shoes first and then tie them. Another example of that is with regards to when a person goes around the Mizbeach or when a person on a Friday night says, they turn. So they turn around to face the other side. You're supposed to turn to your right side when you go around. 
Lefties don't turn to the left side and turn around the opposite way. Lefties don't do the opposite in that case because that's not governed by lefty-righty. That's governed by a more general global view of which side do we give precedence to. So it's always important to determine. Same thing with lighting the menorah. Our Chanukiah, it's coming up the locha. We start from the candles, put them on the right side, and then you light the leftmost candle, but you start the candles moving from the right side. The candles are set up from right to left, and then you light the leftmost candle moving to the right side. So over here, again, the lefty's not going to put all his candles starting from the left side, and then light the rightmost candle. He's going to do it the same way everybody else does it, because here it's governed by a global view that we always put on the right first, and then move to the left. So here I think, again, the lefty's not going to light and set up his candles the opposite way, because it's governed by a global view of what's precedence, right and left. The only thing one will change is things where din is specifically about your right hand, like picking up the koshel bracha. Koshel bracha, right, he picks up in his right hand, the lefty will pick it up in his... Left hand. One of the areas where you have a machloket is, for instance, by lulav and etrog. Machloket, shulchan aruch, and the ramah, they're what's governing. When you pick up the lulav in the right hand and the etrog in the left hand, is that because it's the right hand? And then you pick up the majority of your mitzvot in your right hand and the minority, the etrog in the left hand? Or is it because right always gets precedence? It's a global view of right always. And that makes a difference for the lefty. The Shulchan Aruch says a lefty should take a lulav in his right hand, just like everybody else. The Ramah says no, that a lefty could switch and should take the lulav in his left hand because it's governed here by the arm. It's your stronger arm that you're taking. It's, that's giving precedence. It's not a global view of lulav and etro, according to the Ramah. So you should know that, that whenever these things come up, you have to be careful about why it's being guided by the right hand. Here's a great example where the lacha bifurcates and says that one of them will be governed, lefty will change, and the other aspect will not change when it comes to a lefty. All right now, lo bitfilin. Person may not go out with filin. Amrav Safar Lotema Libadamanda Amar. This is not only according to one who says Shabbat Lavzman Filin who obviously if you're not supposed to wear filin on Shabbat, you shouldn't go out with filin on Shabbat. But Ella Filumandamar Shabbat Zman Filinu. Even according to the one who says that Shabbat is Manfilin, Lo you'd say a person may not go out to the Shutarabim. Dilma because you may come to carry it, Now, Tosafot had a different gears in the Gemara. You can see in the Tosafot, just in Divya Matchel, it says, Dilma So Tosafot had a gears so that maybe they will snap, that the Ritzuot will break, and then I'll have to carry it, Daladamot Bishutarabim. It's clear that Rashi did not have this girsa. Because Rashi says, what's the reason you're going to have to take off the tefillin in Rishutarabim? Not because they broke the Ritzuot, because, Dilma, Shakalahu Mereshim, Badifanot. If he goes to the restroom, he goes to the bathroom, he's got to remove his tefillin. So when he removes his tefillin to go to the bathroom, he might come to carry them, Daladamot Bishutarabim. It's clear that Rashi did not have that girsa. Tosvo brings that Valkodesh Mikorbil, Omer de Garcin and La says, leave the girsi in of mifsukeh. V'itzterecha, time of the mifsukul, the tefillin shel yad. You need that for tefillin shel yad. They don't have to take them off. This is Tosafot, the shitato. We're going to see it again at the end of today's daf. Rashi and Tosafot have this machloket throughout Shas. We actually saw it back on Chavchedem with Bet. Saw it in the Gemara in Brachot. Also appears in the Gemara in Minachot. Tosafot has a suffix over there in Minachot Lamed Hey about this issue. When a person enters into the restroom, does he have to remove his tefillin shel yad? Is it only his tefillin shel rosh that he has to remove? Or also the tefillin shel yad? Here you see the Kodesh Mekubil says you only have to remove the tefillin shel rosh because the tefillin shel rosh have a shin on the outside. So they have ktav, tav kodesh on the outside. And because of that, you must remove the tefillin shel rosh. 
Tell them, Shayad, you do not have to remove because they're mechupe be'or. They're covered. The parshiot are inside, and now you have leather on the outside that's protecting them, and therefore you can enter into the bathroom with the tefillin shayat on. That's because Tosavo believes, as far as the Ritzuot are concerned, the Ritzuot have no kedusha of katav on them, and therefore the Ritzuot and the tefillin shayat can go into the bathroom with, whereas the tefillin shayat rosh you must remove because of the shit on the outside. Rashi, on the other hand, believes that even by Tefillin Shayyad you have an issue, because Rashi says, Kshem Hashem Nikra Alecho, that it says that the name of God is upon you. Tosafot says, what does it mean, Kshem Hashem Nikra Alecho? Well, Tefillin Sharosh, which is up high and exposed, when people see them, then they'll see that you're the representative of God. That's how we know that Shem Hashem is on you. Rashi brings what we all know, Kshem Hashem Nikra Alecho, is because the Shem Hashem is spelled out on the Tefillin, which is the Shem of Shin. Dalit and Yul is spelled out. You have the Shin on the Tefillin Sharosh, you have the Dalit, which is the Nat, Behind the tefillin shalrosh, the kesher shalrosh, and the yud on the tefillin shalyad, and therefore you have the shem hashem that's spelled out, and that's kishem hashem nikralecha, meaning that both for tefillin shalrosh and tefillin shalyad, the yud of the tefillin shalyad is part of the shem hashem. Therefore, according to Rashi, it would supposedly it would have some sort of kedusha to it, and according to Rashi, you would then have to remove the tefillin shalyad as well when you enter into the restrooms. So here, this is Tosot Lushitato, and that's why he says, maybe over here you need Mifsukeh for Tefillin Shalyad, because Tefillin Shalyad you wouldn't have to remove to go into the bathroom. As Rashi, again, would disagree with that, and we'll see at the end of today's daft, this will come up again. Some say it the other way around. If a person went out with the Tefillin on, he's not Chayav Chatat. Not only according to the one who says that Shabbat is Zman Tefillin, do we say that it's not a problem of carrying on Shabbat because you're wearing the tefillin like you're supposed to? Even according to one who says Shabbat is not the time for tefillin, you're not chayav chatat, my It's like wearing clothing. Tefillin are a type of adornment. They're a type of clothing that a person wear a malbush of an individual. And therefore, even when he goes out on Shabbat, when it's not Zman tefillin, they're still, even though it's not Zman tefillin, he's still classified as a malbush. As wearing clothing. It's as if he put on his shirt. It's as if he put on a hat. That's the same way when he puts on tefillin. This has a big nafkamina for a sugi at the end of Eruvin, which is, if a person finds tefillin out in the field, how does he bring them in? Even though it's Lazman tefillin, he can put them on, he can wear them, because they are a malbush. It's also brought up in the Targum, with regards to the restriction against an isha. It says, A man may not wear women's clothing. And a woman may not wear man's clothing. Over there, the Targum Yonatan says, what is man's clothing? Tzitzit and tefillin. That's what the Targum Yonatan says over there. It's part of men's wear. It's part of what a man would wear. And therefore, there's a restriction against a woman wearing it. Not from a halachic standpoint of tefillin and talit, but from a standpoint of she may not wear men's clothing. It's a restriction in Torah. And that you see again, it's a malbush. It's considered to be a clothing or the adornment of the individual. Okay, now we move to the amulets, which is going to take up most of the rest of the daf, which is, You're not allowed to wear an amulet when it's not written by an expert. Don't say that you need here for the individual to be an expert, as well as the amulet, the cloth that's written over there to be efficacious. Ella, came in the mumcha gavro. As long as the individual himself is classified as an expert. Alpha gavlo do mumcha gmiya. We have no precedence for this gmiya, this amulet to work. That is fine. So the only requirement from the Mishnah is that the one who's writing it be an expert. The one who's providing it is the expert. 
Not that the actual cloth or incantation. We don't have to have precedent that it worked before. Here is a classification that this individual is a mumka, even though the text that he's writing now was not verified, tested before. That's what the Gemara says here. And the Gemara says, take an army. I can prove that to you from the Mishnah. You can infer that from the Mishnah. Tani. That doesn't come from the expert. When it comes that's talking about an individual from the individual who is an expert. But if you want to speak about May itself, that it's not verified, it's not expertized. It hasn't been checked out before. And the Tosavot suggests that that Lashem would have been both. It would have included both the Kmeya and the individual himself. The way we have it written in our Mishnah, it sounds like the only expertise we need is the individual who is writing the cloth. Now the Gemara is going to discuss how do you become an expert. What is considered to be a Kmeya that is efficacious, that has already a stamp of approval? Choshripe Vishana Vishilesh. Something that worked once, twice, three times. So again, throughout this daf, we're going to assume that you need three times to have a chazaka. So anything that happens three times establishes something as being efficacious or expert. Echad kmeya shel tav, ve'echad kmeya shel ikarim. Now here, Rashi points this out, that the word kmeya itself, we're used to using kmeya to mean amulet, but amulet in the sense that you have a written cloth that has some sort of incantation on it. The word kmeya, as Rashi says, means kesher. Kesher means some sort of holder, some sort of encasement, the same way that the word amulet means an encasement of some sort holding something. The charm that is inside, or whatever is inside of there, is not defined. It's simply amulet has something in it that supposedly has powers. Same thing here with the kmea. Kmea has something in there that supposedly is efficacious. So the, therefore here, the term is, Echad kmea shal ikarim, and echad kmea shal ktav. Doesn't matter if the kmea is holding an incantation in it, a cloth in it, or if it's holding some sort of incense or spices that also have that same impact. It doesn't matter whether the sick individual here is deathly ill or is just ill. Either way, you're allowed to wear this. This is a very important statement. It's not because a person had a sickness, therefore he can wear the amulet. So someone had epilepsy. He had an epilepsy seizure, and then now he's allowed to wear the amulet to stop it from happening in the future. That's not true. A person can wear it even to prevent epilepsy or prevent the sickness from coming upon him. It doesn't mean that he has to have had the sickness or been sick once and then now it's preventative. It can be even... Never had. Right. Never had the issue and he's being proactive and being preventative and putting this on. Rashi says something that's very interesting that you don't have to say in the Gemara, which is Rashi, the last Rashi on the Amud says... He has to have some sort of family history that he has a predisposition to this from his family's medical history. And therefore he wears it. You didn't have to say that. You could have just said that a person's afraid of some sickness, he can wear it. Rashi says that there has to be a reason or a reason for suspicion that you're going to get this. First, all the neighbors have something that's contagious. Maybe there it's okay to wear it. But you have to have a reason to believe that you are at risk of getting this issue or having this issue before you can wear it. Can't simply put it on because you just want to be safe. Rashi terms it that there has to be some suspicion, some risk here. If a kosher matir, person can tie it and untie it at a filibishut arabim, even out in the public domain, as long as he doesn't tie it b'shir or b'tabat, as long as he doesn't put it on with a chain or a bracelet or a ring. We had saved both Rishut Rabim and then go out into the public domain. Mishum Marat Ayin, because of Marat Ayin. Now Marat Ayin has two tzadim to it. 
Maritayin can be a problem because we're afraid if you do such a thing, other people are going to be chushet, that you are doing the wrong thing. That we don't allow you to do this because you have to have clean hands, both with regards to Hashem, but even with regards to other people. Other people shouldn't suspect that you're doing something wrong. And we had that by Bishel on Shabbat. That's Mechzeke Bishel. That you shouldn't do things that look like cooking on Shabbat because other people see you and think you're cooking on Shabbat. You know you're not cooking, but the problem is that other people see you. There's also a different aspect of Maradayin, which is that we're afraid of what the conclusion of the people who see you will be. Not because they're going to think you're doing something wrong, but you're going to set a precedent by which they're going to now do something. So the Maradayin is that they'll see you do this, and then they'll assume that you're allowed to do these things. So over here, the Maritain is clearly, they're not worried about you doing something wrong. The problem is that they're going to learn from you and do this otherwise. What's that? As you can see in Rashi, if you wear it on a bracelet or you wear it with a ring, then what are people going to assume? This is, Looks like you're wearing it as an adornment, not for its medical efficacy. Rashi says that the reason you're allowed to wear this is because it's for medicinal reasons and for its medical efficacy, and not because it's a piece of jewelry. What is the person who sees it tied to a bracelet, tied to a ring, going to think? It's a nice piece of jewelry. I can wear it as jewelry as well, even though they don't have the medical reason to wear it. So our Maradayin here is we're afraid of what people are going to learn from you wearing it in this way. So inherently, there's nothing wrong with wearing it this way. If it works, and that's the way it's going to work, that's fine. I promise other people are going to see you wearing it this way, and they'll come to the wrong conclusion. The wrong conclusion being... They're going to think that this as an ornament, as decorative, as jewelry is fine, and that we don't want. So therefore you can't go out within that way. Now the Gemara says, Vatanya, Ezu kemiya mumchet. What is an expert amulet? Kol sharipe gimu adam keachad. Anything that cured three different people. Keachad is probably unnecessary here. Rashi didn't necessarily have the word echad in it. Tosafot does have the gears of keachad. But the Reed says, Gersin and Kechad, even though it's not necessary, he says it's Lav Dafka. Doesn't mean you have to have simultaneously, but they were successful at curing three people. So here you had a requirement of three people in order to be a Kameya. And the previous time it said that as long as they did it three times, even Badam Echad, even with one person, that that was considered to be a Kameya Mumcha. Gemara says, Lokasha, that's not a problem. Amim Chuyi Gavra, Amim Chuyi Kameya. Depends what you're trying to create, they give expertise to. Is the expertise with the individual or the expertise in the Kameya itself? That's what as Rashi explains here. If it comes to Stam Gebilmu Bnei Adam, here we're talking about three different people, our assumption is that they have three different sicknesses. No individual has the same sickness. Therefore, we're talking about three different people with three sicknesses, and therefore you're going to require three different amulets over here. And they're not similar to each other. So over here you have three individuals who have a solution to their sickness from three different amulets. So I can't prove anything about amulets over here. Each amulet was only used one time. So the amulets themselves, we don't know anything about them. They worked once. There's nothing to set a precedent with. On the other hand, the quote-unquote doctor over here, or the person who provided the ambulance, cured three people. And in curing three people, he's now established his credentials of curing three individuals. That means that he's an expert. He's an expert now to write ambulance in general. Rashi has an interesting way of dealing with it here. Rashi says that the individual, if he wrote three different amulets for these three individuals, then he's an expert for all amulets. Because we see now, it has nothing to do with the Chola or the Kameya. It has to do with the fact that this person is an expert. He's an expert. He was able to write three different incantations and solve the problems of each of these individuals. He's an expert for all Kameya. On the other hand, if this individual wrote the same Kameya, the same amulet for three different people, and it solved their problems. 
So then Rashi says he is an expert for that Kameya, and that Kameya itself is, is also established as a precedent. So that's the important thing here is, for establishing expertise, what expertise are you establishing? Depends on what he did. If he used three different amulets, then we know he's an expert because he's across the board. He's got a wide range, and he solved three problems. But then if you use the same amulet, then he's good for that amulet. For that sickness and that amulet, it works for him. And that's what he's allowed to use, and that's what he becomes an expert for. Right, then the other Brita, which said, Ripe, Pam, Shana, Vashilesh, happened three times, is talking about the amulet itself. Here you have an incantation that works three times. So an amulet that works three times, whether it's, we'll see on one person, whether it's on multiple people, then it establishes the veracity of the amulet. Because now the amulet worked three different times. Nothing to do with the doctor necessarily, nothing to do with the expert. But the fact that this amulet worked three times shows you that this amulet is good to use. And therefore that's the establishing the credentials of the amulet. So the Gemara distinguishes between the bright and saying, what are we trying to establish credentials for? If you're trying to establish credentials of the amulet, that's the first bright that we said one, two, three times. The bright that we brought over here, which talks about three different people, is trying to establish the credentials of the doctor, the writer of the amulets. So now we have Rapapa. Rapapa is interesting. Oh, Rapapa, the Pshitali. It's clear to me. Tzlat Kameya, the Tzlat Gavre, Tzlat Tzlat Zimne. If you have three different amulets, they went to three different people. And those amulets cured three times. And here Rashi says, and the Reed both say, that that's even if it's the same person three times, even if that one of those three individuals was cured three times by the, that one amulet, then what we have here is, The individual is established as an expert, and so are the amulets over here. The individual is established as an expert, he just cured three different people with three different amulets. So he's clearly, he's got the goods, he knows how to do this, and he can do it multiple. He's doing it with different types of amulets. He's basically given a stamp of approval to do anything. The Kameo to work three times. So they have established, again, for themselves credentials, because they work three times. So these amulets are also efficacious, and therefore they are established to be good amulets that other people can write, according to Rashi. Not this individual. Other people can write these amulets because they're known to work. And therefore, these amulets can be used by anybody and written by anybody. Then, the next case. Tzlata Kameya, Latate Gavre. Three different amulets to three different people. Chad Chad Zimna. But they only cured one time each. Then, Gavre Itmache, Mealo Itmache. Over there, the credentials of expertise are given to the individual. He cured three people with three different amulets. He's established his credentials. On the other hand, for the Kameot themselves, each Kamea, each amulet has only cured once. Curing once, it hasn't established a precedence. So Rashi says, therefore, nobody else can write this amulet or use this amulet until it's established three times that this type of incantation or ikarim or incense will work. The third case here is Chad Kameya Latlate Gavre. One amulet to three different individuals. So here you have this one Kameya to three different people. Then the Kameya has established its credentials because now it's worked three times. And it working three times, it set up its credentials and therefore it's considered to be efficacious and anybody can write it. On the other hand, the Gavra himself has established his credentials. Yes, he cured three people, but he cured three people with the same Kameya. So we could assign the reason for the solution here to the Kameya and not to the individual. It's not necessarily the doctor that did it. It's clear that the incantation works because they worked with three different people. We're not sure if the doctor is, whether he is an expert or not, because he hasn't shown us he's not a one-trick pony. So that's what we want to establish here, that he's not. And therefore, the Gavra is not established as an expert over here. 
Now, the question happens is, What happens if you have three different amulets that are given to one individual? So what do we establish expertise for here? Clearly, for the amulets, we have no expertise established. Each one of them only worked one time. So that you can't establish. The question is for the doctor. Has he established his expertise now by doing three different amulets? And therefore, he's now shown that he's got a large hand to play. But, on the other hand, maybe not. Why? Because he only cured one individual. And that's what the Gemara asks here. We know for sure that the amulets do not establish expertise credentials. But the individual did. Maybe not. Maybe you say he did. Look, he cured him three different times. Maybe it is the mazel of the sick person that works with amulets. That he has a predisposition to amulets that work, or he has some sort of connection where his mazel allows amulets to take effect. And therefore this expert here has not established credentials because he may have been lucky. He just landed on the right guy who amulets work for. And therefore we do not establish credentials. Take what the Gemara leaves this as unresolved. And Rashi says over here, it's very interesting, Rashi, Rashi says, Malacho Shalcholize. When he says Mazli de Gavra, he says the mazel is the malach of this sickness. I would have said it that it has to do with this individual. That it's this individual's mazal. Rashi calls it the Malachosha Cholizeh. So Rashi, it's interesting that he says it that way, because he still then should be establishing credentials, because he's now found three different Malachim that are willing to accept the amulets. So I'm just pointing it out. I would have read it, and the simple way to read the Gemara is that it's the mazal of this individual which is affected by amulets. In fact, the Rashi where he has the word Choli is very interesting. Again, maybe you could read it the other way, I think, but the simple reading of Rashi is not that way. So Rashi also asks a question. How come we don't know the answer from before? Because it says, tiny That over there it says, he did one, two, three times. Rashi already said before, that could be one person or three people. It doesn't, when we establish the expertise over there, Over there we said, when it happened three people to one person, we don't say that it's got to do with the individual. We say that it has to do with the efficacy of the Kamea. The fact that this Kamea worked three times, even with one person, we say this amulet gets stamp of approval. How come we don't over there say, oh, maybe it's the mazel of this individual, it's not the Kamea. So Rashi says, Go dummy. Why would you go to the mazel of the individual when you see that the incantation has worked every time? Over here, it's clear that the incantation, the amulet, is not working. So Rashi says, if it's the amulet, we have no problem if it happened to one person. We assume that the amulet, the incantation, is it. If we have a choice between saying it's the mazel of the individual and the incantation or the kmeya, we're going to give it to the kmeya. But once the kmeya is knocked out of the picture, like in our case over here, kmeya is out of the picture because we know it's three different kmeyot. If that's the case, now you have to left. Now you have to come up with an answer. What's the reason it's working? Is it because of the rofe or is it because of the mitrapeh? So now we have to make a decision. Who is making it work here? It's the expert, the doctor that's making it work? Or is it the Choleh that's giving it work? And that's the table of the Gemara over here, that we don't know which individual to assign the benefit of the doubt to. Is it the Choleh that he accepts amulets, or is it the doctor that can write amulets? Now you should know that Tosfot has a slightly different approach to the Gemara here, a nuanced approach. I put together a chart, I'll send it out later, just showing where these some of the nuances are, some of those differences are in Tosfot versus Rashi. Because Rashi, which I didn't do with you, Rashi back on the on what Aleph says some things, brings two opinions down. 
And those opinions are so there, what he says on the Amud Bet. So there, because of that, Tosafot tries to discuss what exactly is going on with Rashi and which one makes more sense in the Pshat that Rashi brings down. Alright, now the Gemara continues and says, with regards to the Kameyot, do Kameyim have a din of Kedusha? Meaning that they have Sukim written in them. Sometimes the Shem Hashem written in them. So do they have a din of Kedusha? So the Gemara wants to know the Mayhilchot though. What do you want to know? For, what, what, what do they have a loch of Kedusha for? If it's to save them from a fire on Shabbat, there's a fire in the house, are you allowed to remove them from the house, carry them out? Whether to it's a chatzer, Rashi says a chatzer mu'urevet, to a chatzer that you're allowed to carry them out. Gilean Asha says maybe it should be a chatzer she'enu mu'urevet. Depends on the Gemara later on. In the Masechta, where you're allowed to save certain amount of items from your house when there's a fire out to the chatzer. So here you want to say you can do that. Tashma. We have it pretty straightforward further on in the Masechta. Ha-brachot v'akmeim, af-opish otiot, u-minyinyot ha-beisha that if you have things that have brachot in them, or they have kmeim, they have amulets, avopishveshem otiot, they have letters, umanyanot arbeshem b'tarah, psukim adatarah, eimatzil notam ipnei abdeka, v'nisrafim b'mkoman. You don't save them, and they burn in place. They do not have that level of kiddushah, that you're going to go in and save them. Okay, so that can't be the reason that they have kiddushah. So what is the issue that we're discussing here? Elodinyan geniza. Do they require to be put in geniza? Tashma, we also have that. Haya katuv al yadota kelim val mita. Rashi has a slightly different girsah, which is haya katuv shem. The shem Hashem was written on the yadota kelim, on a handle of a kli, or al kareya mita, the bedposts. Then, you can't just leave it there. You have to be yagod, vegan zenu. You have to carve it out, you have to cut it out, and put it into geniza. So that can't be the question here, because it has a shem Hashem in it. The answer is yes, you have to put it into geniza. So what's the question? Are you allowed to enter into the bathroom with them on? My. They have a din of kedushah and it's a sur. Maybe they have no kedushah and you can enter into the bathroom with them. Tashma. So you're not allowed to walk around on Shabbat with a amulet when it's not from an expert. If it was from the expert, nafik, you can go out. If you think a kmeya has a dinik dusha, now the same problem that we had before in the previous bar with the tefillin. What are we afraid of by the tefillin when you wear them out in public? Even according to the one who says that you're allowed to wear tefillin, our fear was that when you had to go to the bathroom, you're going to remove the tefillin and carry them to Al-Ramot Bishut Rabim. If you have a requirement to remove the kmeya because it has kedushah, then you're going to have the same problem by the kmeya, which is that you're going to remove it to go into the bathroom, then you're going to be afraid that you're going to walk daladama with with the kmeya. How can we let you wear an amulet on Shabbat even from an expert? There's no problem. We're talking about an amulet that's not with an incantation with psukim in it, Rather, an amulet that contains incense in it. So, of course, you can walk into the bathroom with that, because that doesn't have a question of dusha. Vatanya, didn't the bright at the end of the previous Amud say, Echad kmeya shoktav, echad kmeya shalikarin? The Allah in our Mishnah that says that you're allowed to go out with a kmeya, says it doesn't matter whether it's an incantation or incense. So that can't be the answer. Allah my skin sakana. Someone who's in danger of life and limb. He's ill to the point where he could die from this. So he doesn't have to take it off there. It's sakanat nefashot. We're not going to make him take off the amulet to go to the bathroom. Because he might die, but he takes off the amulet. You're allowed to go into the bathroom. Fatanya, that same brighter that we just said at the bottom of the previous Amud. Echad cholesh yesh bo sakana, ve'echad cholesh ain bo sakana. That wasn't a determination on whether you could wear the kameya or not. Ella came into Masi, since it's efficacious at curing its medicinal nature. Afakav denakal ebiyadeh. 
that you can carry it around. The fact is that the reason that you're carrying it around, as we said before, is not because it's jewelry, not because it's an adornment. You're allowed to carry it around because it cures. It has curative properties. And curative properties would apply both to something that you wear as well as something that you have in your hand. You carry it around. Where it says, wait a minute. That's not correct. You can't carry it around in your hand. You can wear it. You can wear it like clothing, like jewelry. You cannot hold it in your hand and carry it around. Rabbi is pretty clear about that. That does not work. So that cannot be the answer over here. Or it's covered in leather, in a skin. It's in a pouch. Meaning that it's not just the amulet or the writing, the cloth itself. It's encased in something. So if it's encased in something, now you have a piece around it. You can go into the bathroom with it. Rabbi says, wait a minute. Virate fill in the mechupe or what about fillin? They also have a cover on them. I mean, the parsha that fillin are found inside the leather boxes. They're inside the leather boxes. You should be also be able to enter the bathroom with them on. Vatanya nichnas lebedekiseicholetz Then a person who has fillin on him before he enters the bathroom has to remove his fillin, pour him out away, and then go into the bathroom. So you see, you have to remove them. Hotamishum shin. There, it's because of the shin. You have tav kedusha on the outside of the fillin. That's a problem because now you have tav kodesh on the outside of the tefillin. It's no longer covered. So now you can't go into the bathroom with the tefillin because the shin's not covered on it. Tamar abaye, shin shel tefillin, alacha l'moshe misinai. It's alacha l'moshe misinai that you must have the shin shel tefillin there. Tamar abaye, now this next kirsa, very problematic for Tosafot. Dalet shel tefillin, alacha l'moshe misinai. Tamar abaye, yud shel tefillin, alacha l'moshe misinai. The dalet and the yud of the tefillin are also alacha l'moshe misinai. Now Tosafot doesn't disagree with that, but why is the Gemara quoting that over here? To Tosafot, that has no relevance over here, whether the dalet and the yud are alacha l'moshe misinai. Because we said before that Tosavot says that the Dalit of the Kesher Tfilin and the Kesher on the Shalyad do not make up Tav. They do not have Kedusha. That's the case. The only thing that matters here is the Shin Shel Tfilin. Look at Tosavot right away. Shin Shel Tfilin, Vlogasin, and Dalit Vayud Shel Tfilin. says take out that Girsa. That's not right. You can't have that in the Girsa. Shin is the only thing that matters here. It's not true by the Dalit and the Yud. This is the Machloket Rashi and Tosavot. For Rashi, this is much better. Here it says how the Dalit and Yud are also Tav. Now Tosavot has strong support for its position, which is that the Gemara in other places wants to know, how do you know that the Tfilin have to be made from kosher animals? So the Gemara says, by klaf, I don't need to know it comes from kosher animals, because over there, it's k'tav dusha, and then it has to be, I mean, a mutar beficha. When it has, the tiva has to be on something that comes from a kosher animal. So Rashi says over there, oh, tiva comes from a kosher animal, therefore I know the k'tav of the klaf, therefore I know the tefillin shorosh, I don't know the tefillin shayat, but then, what about the ritzuot? The Gemara asks separately about the ritzuot, and the Gemara says in the end, I need a separate puzzle for the ritzuot. According to Rashi, why do I need a separate puzzle for the ritzuot? I have a ktav on the ritzuot. Dalit and yud are on the ritzuot. If I have ktav on the ritzuot, then I would know. Oh, so very good. So the answer you have to give for Rashi, which we mentioned before when we said this back on Dav Chavchet, is that Rashi, it's not real ktav. You're forming a letter through it. But it's not that you wrote the letter on the cloth, and therefore maybe you need a separate pasuk for it. But Tosava believes that you wouldn't have needed a separate pasuk for the straps for the ritzuot if they was considered to be ktav over here. It's obviously not ktav. And that's why he erases the gears of the Dalit and the yud over here. You see the difference being between the amulet, which is covered, and the tefillin, which are not covered. Again, this goes to Tosafot that we saw earlier on the daf today, which is, do you have to take off the tefillin shalyad? According to Tosafot, no, because it's mechupe or, and there's no ktav on it. Therefore, you wouldn't have to take off the tefillin shalyad, only the tefillin shall rosh. Okay, now the Gemara just continues with the last three items of the Mishnah, which is lo bishir yon, v'lo 
Not with armor, not with a helmet, and not with boots. Now, Rumar defines each one of them. Shirion, what is this armor? Zarda. You see in the Mesut Shaz, he brings down Shirion as Matbeot Ktanot, chainmail, and that type of armor. Gazda, what is this helmet that he's wearing? Amrav, Snuatra, it's the leather cap that is worn by the soldiers. It's not necessarily the metallic helmet that we're talking about. We're even talking about the leather cap that goes underneath the insert for the metallic helmet that is worn on top. boots. But over here, it doesn't mean boots, but it really means amarav pasmike. Pasmike in the shas mean either slippers or socks. Over here, the translation is probably greaves, which are shin guards. Leggings, the shin guards that are worn, which are protective. They changed over time. Originally, they were really only around the shin area. They were later expanded to include not only shin, but the thigh as well. And therefore, those ones around the shin became known as the demi-greaves. Hef greaves. But over here, what they're probably referring to is those protective items, not the boots themselves necessarily, maybe include the boots, but the items that are worn on the area of the sock, which is on the shins, which are the protective armor that one can't go out with these items on Shabbat. Again, you're not chayv chatat. They are a malbush. But, on the other hand, they're not appropriate for Shabbat. They're not your normal item that you should be wearing out on Shabbat. Okay, we'll stop over here.